0: Block Talk Radio. Well, it's time for the third radio program of the first Monday of the month of April 2014, time for helping behaviorally challenging students. Dr. Ross Green here, coming to you, as always, from the offices of Lives in the Balance in Portland, Maine. And the reason I'm saying three radio programs is because we've already done the um, parents panel today, this morning. And then about an hour ago, um, I interviewed Dr. Chris Kaufman, who's a neuropsychologist and school psychologist uh, here in Maine as well. And um, just to keep the Maine theme going, well, we have our educators panel, as always, on this radio program. And the first two callers of the day are our principals from Maine, Nina and Tom. How are you, Nina and Tom?
1: I'm great, thank you.
0: I'm doing well, too, thanks. Thanks. Good. I hope that our uh, panel members from British Columbia will be calling in as well. They have some exciting news. But let's let's hear from you both first. Um, Nina, can I call you Nina on the program, or should I call you Miss DeAaron? I call you Nina, but I don't know if everybody does.
1: <laughs> Nina is absolutely fine.
0: <laughs> and Mr. Ambrose, is it okay to call you Tom? Absolutely. <laughs> um, the first question, well, I was going to ask nine of the first question, but Tom, I'll ask you the first one. Is there any snow left at Sugarloaf?
2: Oh, yeah. I think about six inches Saturday. Oh, really? Yeah. It's wet, but good. I didn't make it up that day, but I skied at Sunday River yesterday. It was excellent.
0: Wow. You're like a walking advertisement for Maine's ski resorts.
2: Best, best, uh, best east of the Rockies. There you go. <laughs> um,
0: and and Nina I won't ask you about ski resource but I did want to check in with you because I don't know how this is going because I hadn't heard lately you yep. had uh, designated a specific room for problem solving in your building and yes. I bet people are wondering how that's panned out how's that sure. panned out
1: oh it's been just amazing actually it's you know during budget season right now when anyone asks me what what my thoughts are for next year, that's the first thing that I say to everyone is that we need to keep the, we call it the learning center, keep the learning center going because it's made such a big difference for all of our students, for our staff, for just the climate of the school. So it's a wonderful addition with just a person I cannot praise enough. She's just so gifted with problem solving and working with children with challenging behavior. So it's just, it's made a huge, huge difference.
0: And will you be able to keep that person and that room going? Budget cuts, budget time of year is always scary because, (laughs) boy, I got to tell you, the more I am in touch with what goes on with budgets and in government and the more I, come to realize that these things can change with the change in the direction of the wind Um, it's a scary time of year how's your problem solving room and the person who is talented and overseeing it how are they going to fare
1: oh they'll be absolutely right right where they are now so it's not going anywhere and the poor person who runs it, I always say you 're not going anywhere, so she, <laughs> she is committed for life here at central school no i would I would let her go if she had to, but <laughs> she 's just amazing and really just changes lives every day with our children and has really educated everybody about what's best for challenging children, and they, you know, the, we all see the difference in the children, and she, you know, there are many kids that were there a lot in the beginning and that are hardly there at all, so that's really, she's also been able to collect a lot of data, so, we, you know, it's really nice to be able to look at some of the children that, that did you, problem solve with her in the beginning and that really don't need to right now, so it's... It's been a wonderful project to watch and start right off from the beginning next year instead of, you know, kind of feeling it out a bit. We can start right where we left off.
0: We shall have to make sure that those data get published if there's a way.
1: Yeah, that would be great. She's, she's collected great data, and I, I could absolutely gather it gather it up.
0: Good. We are in the midst of preparing the first paper on the effectiveness of this model, um and have four schools that we're reporting on in the state of Maine in our f- project funded by the Juvenile Justice Advisory Group here and so we are very excited to make sure that that paper gets out there by the way we have been joined by either Carol or Susan I don't know which who do we have
1: It's Carol
0: Hi Carol why why do you, we don't we're not disappointed why are you
1: <laughs>
3: Well because I know that Susan's school is a tad bit busier than mine And so uh, it's not surprising that she might not be here with us right on time.
0: That's okay, but she's doing some pretty exciting stuff in the community as well that we'll have to hear from her about. Let's, Let's move over to Tom. Tom, anything exciting going on with collaborative and proactive solutions? This is the... First time I've said the name of the model on the program today, and I'm saving it for you just in case. <laughs> um, <laughs> anything. <laughs> uh, However, we we fully understand that there's an outstanding likelihood you will slip up anyways, and that's okay. A lot of people hey, are you know, confused <laughs> out there.
2: Some people are more habitual than others.
0: Yeah, well, that's right. How how is things going with the model in your building? I know that. Oh, you're, great.
2: We, We've really been so, uh, having great luck with this uh, uh, digital allsup that I created with a, uh, with one of my technology people. We've worked together on it, and it's been awesome because the other day we were at a uh, um, a PST meeting for a student, a problem solving team meeting. Um, and what we were able to do is to uh, we, we we looked at the lagging skills and unsolved problems, and as a group we selected one of the lagging skills and one of the unsolved problems that we really wanted to focus on, and I was able to just bold the part that we're working on together oh, nice. and just share it with the specialist staff immediately in the meeting. Uh, it's pretty happening, and, and so here gave them an update. Here's,
0: here's our goal. You know, your school is only about 10 miles, maybe 12, from the offices of Lives in the Balance. You have sent me the digital ALSIP. Now there's only one hang-up, me figuring out how to get it on the Lives in a Balance website. But I bet if you and I find a time this week for either me to come to you or you to come to me, we can get that baby up on the Lives in a Balance website, and then all the people I've promised that it will be up on the Lives in a Balance website will believe me, because right now... Oh, yeah they don't oh it's so
2: easy you just you just make a copy of it and then you you share the copy with whoever you want to so the original stays intact
0: we'll um we're going to figure it out i'm going to email right. you as soon as we get off of this program and we're going to figure it out <laughs> okay
2: Sounds so good. Through it's this really digital been a huge breakthrough what's that it's been a huge breakthrough because it creates a it it takes care of the, so many communication issues i think the next step is to do a, a um a collaborative and proactive solutions plan B flowchart that's digital in the same way. Beautiful. <laughs> right? Because then you can see who's doing what. Uh, so and if here's we could make... The... Go oh, ahead. go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to say, making that flow chart next would be the next step. But for this student, we're kind of doing, doing a practice round of some, some things, and I'm interested to see how this plays out. My guidance counselor and I are working
0: on it collaboratively. Well, and I, the... Um, The interview I did on issues in children's mental health today, as I mentioned, was with Dr. Christopher Kaufman, who is well-known in these parts. Um, He's got a book out on executive functions, but what he promised is that um, he would give us some of his behavior plans that are written with a heavy emphasis not on behavior but on lagging skills and unsolved problems and include who's going to be teaching the skill or solving the problem with the kid. And we'll post those on the Lives in the Balance website as soon as we get those as well.
2: You know, it's interesting because I worked with Chris on a student three years ago, and uh, it was great because we were able to talk about how to have the student be part of the, the... the, the team or the communication or the, the process to develop the behavior plan so that any kind of targets on a behavior plane were develop, plan were developed as a result of a plan B conversation. It, Chris is a really valuable resource. that I, I'm really glad that you had an interview with him. I'll have to listen to that. He's, he's it's it was great.
0: Very and, much worth listening to. And um, about three-quarters of the way through the interview, you are going to feel better and laugh because he refers to the model in the interview as collaborative problem solving. (laughs) Like I said, habitual people. I of course refer to it if I'm able to use those words as the model formerly known as collaborative problem solving. Isn't that like the artist formerly known as
2: Prince? Did he have like a symbol? Precisely
0: like the artist formerly known as Prince, (laughs) but the artist formerly known as Prince known as Prince changed his name Willingly, and I did not By change choice. the name. <laughs> 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 difference. If, you,
2: if you have a symbol, Ross, it just has to be a big,
0: bold, blue B, Right? big, bold, yeah. blue bee. I could I could do that, um, yeah. unless it's taken. Um, <laughs> right. <laughs> what I'm finding in this business is that something's, whatever you come up with, it's almost always taken. Um, well, the Berenstain Bears might have taken it, so I, I don't know. Right. You'll have to uh, check it out. I <laughs> haven't, haven't watched them lately, so I don't know. Carol, you are in a new school this year.
3: Yeah, that's it's wearing down. It's been, uh, what are we, seven months now in? So, you know, I can only use the new excuse for a little bit longer before it gets old. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so now that as long as you still can use the new excuse until it expires, um, tell that's us great. how it's going.
3: It's going really well. We just had uh, a couple of weeks spring break, and uh, we've just gotten back. We've just been back a week. So since our last Uh, radio program. I haven't done too much but I had this little spurt of where um, teachers were coming to me with some concerns um, whether it was related to this was the time that it was parent-teacher conference time or report card time and they were kind of realizing that some of these concerns were were burning and needed to be addressed. So um, I had a couple of really great opportunities to sit down and go through the uh, ALSIP with two different teachers. And uh, in both cases, um, the teachers then sat in as I I led the Plan B conversation, and uh, the teachers were there to help give input, but mostly to observe the process. And um, after they went, after they, you know, came this after the conversations, both of them just had huge like, I had no idea that's what was going on for that student. I never would have guessed that in a million years. Um, you know, and then after trying out the, the, the solution that the student and the teacher had come up with collaboratively, um, checking in with them, you know, about a week later and saying, so how's it going? And, and they're like, you know, I haven't even really noticed that concern anymore since we came up with that, mm-hmm. that plan. You know, it's been the kids trying it, and, and it's kind of like it's almost invisible because usually because the plans tend to be, you know, it's not some big um, change in procedure or or Plan or program that you have to put in place it's usually just a tiny little being aware of something or a tiny little tweak into how a student does something or how they communicate that makes such a huge difference so um, they were really pleased and really excited by it so I felt like it was a really uh, really neat just i don't know just seems synchronous that synchronicitous i don't know what the word is but two or three just popped up right around the same time and I just felt like I was Uh, doing the good work, getting it rolling, you know, in some really concrete ways rather than just kind of, you know, talking about it and doing it myself, but having other people come to me to
0: look for that. It was awesome. Very cool. You all ready to be a little controversial? Okay. Sure. <laughs> Depends on with regard to what, Ross. I'm an administrator. I have to always be careful. Tom, don't worry. I won't get you into any more trouble than you're already in.
1: Here's all right. all head, right,
0: Here's the headline from the Christian Science Monitor. This is an oh article that is that is posted in the um, Good News, Bad News section of the Lies in the Balance website. The headline is, When School Discipline is Unfair four ways to do it better. And I'd like to get your thoughts on this. They make four recommendations, um, uh, and here they are. Let's, let's see what you all think. These are um, steps that were highlighted by the Discipline Disparities Collaborative, 26 researchers, advocates, educators, and policy analysts, whose work over the past three years has been funded by the Atlantic Philanthropies and Open Society Foundations. Um, They've seen that there are racial disparities, and this has been highlighted by many um, news media outlets. There's racial disparities in the way we discipline kids in schools. African-American, Hispanic, and Native American students have all been shown to have higher rates of suspension and expulsion than do white students, leading to a higher likelihood of dropping out of school. African-American students are 1.78 times more likely to be suspended out of school, according to one study. Um, The unevenness in discipline, it says, can't be explained away by poverty or by higher rates of misbehavior, the researchers have concluded. Instead, school factors such as the principal's attitude about discipline have a stronger effect. The collaborative highlighted a number of steps schools can take to improve climate and safety and reduce discipline disparities. And I'm going, to talk, I'm going to mention them in the order in which they are mentioned in the article. But I'll tell you that the third one is take a problem-solving approach. But <laughs> item number one, strengthen student-teacher relationships. <laughs> um, what do you all think of that one? It's critical. Absolutely. The most important,
1: the most important thing.
0: Well, that might be why they had it number one. Any of you want to comment on perhaps some real life anecdotes about how strengthening the student-teacher relationship, with or without collaborative and proactive solutions, made things better all the way around? Any examples come to mind for any of you?
1: Well, sure. I think of um, the. The teacher I was talking about that runs the learning center where her and a, a couple other teachers for two years now with two of my students that have pretty challenging behavior just spend field trips once a week in the summer with the boys, taking them different places, and um, have built such a relationship with the, with the mother that, you know, on a moment's notice they drop by to take them different places, and I think that's just what's made all the difference, that, that real genuine relationship.
0: Others? There's countless
1: more.
0: <laughs> I bet. If not, we can move on. No, I think I, think I just wanted to say, too, that I've,
2: I've always mentioned that um, whether you're an expert at Plan B conversations or you're just beginning, if you can get the empathy step right, then you make a huge step toward that first goal of building teacher and student relationships. So if a classroom teacher can listen to a child's perspective... And, and stay neutral, which is not easy to do, um, truly neutral, where the child feels that you're listening, not just that you're paying lip service to it to wait to yeah. share your concern,
1: yeah.
2: is uh, better than any... You can, you can fake cool activities. You can go roller skating, you can go hiking, you can do this and do that, but if you're not real, the kid knows, and don't try to fool yourself or them. Right.
1: And also so sometimes I think, I think... Oh, Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I
2: just think that's it,
1: you know. Yeah, and I also think sometimes it might not be the classroom teacher. It, you know, it could be somebody else that forms a relationship with a child and just going with that, you know, special connection that someone has and um, running with that as well. I just, you know, we, try, we really try to make sure that every child has at least one adult that they can really connect with. And I think that, you know, thinking outside of the box a bit about that can make a huge difference.
0: Well, that's the
2: whole reason why, don't you think, Nina, that, that advisor-advisee in high schools fail? Because they're trying to replicate schools that are truly committed to advisor-advisee at the high school level only succeed with that model if the teachers truly believe in the relationships and the kids are allowed to go to an advisor-advisee that has a teacher that works for them.
1: Absolutely. finding it, well, that's it I, fails. Yeah, and I think, you know, it's such that those relationships are so valuable and, we often don't, you know, if, if a teacher makes a huge connection with a child in elementary school, I always wish we could just foster that throughout because it's such a rare gift. And letting that just kind of go away—it just, it's, it's so valuable. When we, you know, trying to foster that and and be creative about it again, and not, like you said, not forced, just because of your last name that you happen to be placed somewhere, right? That's really genuine, absolutely.
2: Yeah, I, th- I think it's that's the key. You
0: can't, you can't force it.
1: Mm, exactly
0: got to be real.
1: Yeah, kids like can definitely see
0: through that. I would like Go to ahead. mention that to assist in the empathy step on the Lives in the Balance website, in the resources section, in the paperwork section of the resources section, is the new drilling cheat sheet, complete with eight drilling strategies and examples of how to use them people are finding it to be extremely helpful. Great. Shall we move on to the next strategy? Are you ready? Sure. Establish a respectful and bias-free environment. People, here's the first paragraph. People across racial lines tend to establish tend to associate white faces with words like smart and black faces with criminality, researchers have shown. Educators can learn to pause and make sure they aren't making snap judgments of students based on unconscious bias. What do you all think of that one? Now, Carol, I know you are in a very diverse um, community in British Columbia. Um, what What do you think of that one?
3: Well, I'm actually reading a book right now called You Are Not So Smart, and it's all about different ways that are unconscious, and that's the whole point is it's unconscious, um, that even if we believe ourselves to be bias-free, you know, prejudice-free, tolerant, understanding, accepting of diversity, we still have unconscious, um, I don't even want to say cultural, but just deep-rooted, primitive, primitive, biases that we are not conscious of. So in a way, when they're saying, you know, be conscious of your unconscious biases, it's a bit of a contradiction because you can't be conscious of something that's unconscious. I think what you can do, though, is go back to number one and build relationships with all your students and know them as people and not just faces because then the face and whether it's a colored face or a face of a child with a disability or whatever doesn't Come into play. You see the person as a person, a fully formed personality with feelings and history and things that they're passionate about and dreams and ambitions. And so you can then move past it. So I think number two is actually a reflection of the need for number one. Mm-hmm. And I I've had, parents, I've had parents come into my school and have, you know, they might have had a negative experience with, uh, you know, a problem that's come up with a teacher or a staff member and you know, they feel like it hasn't been resolved, and so I talk to them, and they they almost apologize. They say, "I know I'm, you know, I know I'm uh, from the Philippines, and I know that I don't speak English very well, but that's no excuse for me being treated badly." And when I hear things like that, it just brings to light to me that there is still, um, not that my teachers were doing that purposefully, but just that there can still be that perception on both sides that you're not treating me fairly because of my color, even if the person is treating them as fairly as they can. There may just still be bias on both sides. So, you know, it's it's always a goal to treat people with as much respect as, as every human being deserves. I think that's the bottom line.
2: Mm-hmm. I think that that's where I was kind of going with... I just agree completely that the um, one and two complement each
0: other very well, and you almost need one to have number two. Are you ready for number three?
1: Sure. Sure.
0: You already know what it is. Take a problem-solving approach. Here's the, um, a little bit of the content. In contrast to a zero-tolerance approach, schools should look at the context around behavior problems and tailor their responses schools may discover for instance that a student breaking rules feels unsafe or has experienced trauma schools that train staff in the virginia student threat assessment guidelines to uh, investigate underlying problems have been found to have a more have to have more positive climates and issue fewer suspensions they have also reduced the black white discipline gap now because this program could be called Fans of Collaborative and Proactive Solutions. (laughs) My bet is that um, you all are going to agree with that one. But does anybody want to comment further before we move on to number four? I don't know. Well, then let's move on. I I think we just (laughs) all agree. Absolutely agree. (laughs) Here's number four reintegrate students after conflict after long suspensions or stays in juvenile detention facilities and by the way I said at a talk that I did last Friday here in Portland Maine that my goal was to ensure that there are no juvenile detention facilities in this state five or ten years from now I actually think that while it sounds crazy to many I think it can be done, Um, and Lives in the Balance intends to play a large role in coordinating the effort first in Maine and then in other states, but I'll keep reading here. After long suspensions or stays in juvenile facilities, students can have trouble catching up and can feel stigmatized. Schools can offer support services such as a transition center, where community organizations provide an advocate for the student, and can collaborate with teachers and proactive uh, and probation officers. Um, Romero Rubalcaba, principal of Azusa High School in California, spoke about his transformation from skeptic to advocate of such ideas in discipline reform. The former district he worked for told school leaders to stop suspending their students for the broad category of willful defiance and train them to implement more positive approaches. Suspension rates plummeted. Any uh, thoughts on that last one?
1: Well, I think that's key. I mean, in our school, and I'm sure in everybody's school, we don't have long-term suspensions, you know, so but if if I think of a different situations where children might have been in out a district or in a mental health facility, I think that that's the key piece is to implement proactive solutions um you know before they return and just huge communication and problem solving to um to make it successful because the worst thing that can happen is that children return and then it's not successful just right from the beginning, and it just it'll it'll never improve and you want. Them to feel success and to change their behavior so that they can you know feel good and that it can they can learn, which is what the ultimate goal is to be successful in
2: school. I think that sending a kid out of school for a long period of time is is uh very challenging because if you think if you think about it i mean in some ways removing them from the environment, it might be needed for safety purposes, but ultimately aren't we just sending them back to the environment that created the situation? So it's it's kind of like a... Uh, h- how do you say it? Um,
1: it just prolongs it. <laughs> it's a for, Yeah,
2: it's a form of an, almost an oxymoron to, to say to right. a kid, you're not doing well in school, and so I'm mm-hmm. going to send you home so you can do what you want.
1: Right.
2: <laughs> I mean, it, it only deters the, the 90% of kids that are going to do well anyway.
1: Right. And it always makes me, when I, when I to get... Right, when you think of when I have a lot of times asked to remove children from the bus, you know, for a few days as as a way to learn how to ride the bus. I just I always say like that doesn't make any sense for them to have 2 days off the bus if we are trying to get you know, have their bus behavior successful. What's that going to how's that going to change anything, especially at this age where they will just be happy they get to not ride the bus, <laughs> I would think. And rejecting a student doesn't do a whole
3: lot to build a relationship with them saying we don't want or, you. Here. Right,
2: exactly. Yeah, we don't we're okay. we're giving up on you. You can't do it. We don't, you know, get out. I mean do you, Until do you you're tell better. your kids when good they misbehave? Yeah, better. yeah, you're not good enough yeah. or get out. I mean, what's the real Im- the 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 unspoken messages that we give children that we do that to? Now I'm not saying that that there aren't instances that, that I feel would would warrant um not having a child in the environment but I just think it's very very important to handle that Uh, how do I say it there's a level of serious responsibility on the part of adults for the message that we're sending the youth of our country and I would be very ashamed of myself if I felt that it was ever based on race and I have to deeply reflect on that and probably be put in situations where I had to make decisions to be totally honest, you know, if you look at it from a therapeutic perspective, you really don't get good as a therapist until you get in situations and you learn about yourself.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: So I, I just think that, I'm not, I'm not saying this to judge anybody, I just want to help and I, I think that in order to help, we have to do steps one, two, and three. Hopefully
0: there wouldn't Absolutely. be a step four if you did yeah. one, two, and three. <laughs>
1: well, exactly. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's just not well, at anything. Least,
0: at least, in Maine and all of Canada, and in, I'm doing my math here, 30 other states, they don't hit kids at school for doing poorly. So at yeah. least in 31 states and all of Canada, as I understand it, you don't do that stuff anymore. We know that in the 19 American states that do still do that, it is done to kids who are overrepresented by children of color. So um, there's some serious reflecting that needs to be done. Thankfully, this has made its way into the news media. Um, and so that, that's a good thing. Um, but as you all were talking, uh, another question occurred to me. And that is, uh, at what Are there things you all are still seeing? And, Nina, I'm thinking of some of the kids I know who've been in your building over the last two or three years. Mm -hmm. Are there kids whose, what kids, if any, are you feeling like the model isn't enough for? What kids are you feeling, if any, that you need more help than what the model can provide, because I frequently hear people, and this is how they usually refer to it, they'll say kids with serious mental health issues. I'm never exactly sure what they're talking about, but when I help them be more specific, sometimes they're talking about kids who are psychotic, which is, of course, fairly rare. Um, Are there kids who you all have come across, because Nina, I know that in your building there were kids who looked like they had
3: mm-hmm.
0: issues that um, exceeded expertise and exceeded what the model could deliver, who ended up doing quite well. Mm-hmm. What do you all think? Are there kids who you're just not going to reach because they mental health issues or other issues, and we can talk about what those are as well, just our exceeding what you're able to deliver and what the model can deliver.
2: I used to think so, and now I, I don't think so. I just think that students who have more, they just need more collaborative, more collaborative and proactive solutions. Oh,
0: man, we almost got <laughs> you, but you didn't say it all the way through. Uh-huh. see, uh-huh. <laughs> Habits change eventually, Ross. But <laughs> no, I, no, I think, well, I we think only do this program once a month, so that's not going that to I know, it's going to take
2: like 10 years after all the time of, yeah. No, I, I think that the, because uh, at my school no one polices me, Ross, so I just talk how I want. Right? Not, <laughs> who's going to tell me not to say that other thing?
0: Not right, no um, one.
2: But, but uh, uh, unless you're in the building. Um, but, I, but I think that, that, you know, the reality is that, that students who have more needs need to, to have more plan B. And so I wouldn't, I would think that, that, you know, I mean, I really hope that someday the vision is that we get to the point where resource rooms who have behavior programs are structured around collaborative and proactive solutions. And we have uh, uh, IEPs that are written using that language. We have um, behavior plans like Chris Kaufman was talking about, which I strongly believe in and have seen be effective using Collaborative and proactive solutions. My hope is that if you need more, you get more, not that you get what we used to do.
1: Yeah, I totally agree. I, I just I wish it were given more. And sometimes children might need it in a smaller setting and more at first, but it's it's never to take away from the problem solving. I think I just so agree with Tom that it's they need more problem solving and perhaps you know. More time with problem solving with a bigger with parents or a different, you know, more people. But problem solving is just more of it for sure.
0: Carol, what do you think?
1: Well,
3: I've kind of just been processing everything that people have been saying. Like I've, I've <laughs> met some kids that have really, you know, a lot. I'm thinking of a student that I know of who, um, incredibly, you know, he is one of those students that was. Um, removed from school from a long, for a long period of time because of really severe safety concerns. Um, he was bounced around to a couple of specialized programs that didn't really fit, but they were just trying to find a place where you know, they could kind of minimize the danger and risk to kids while trying to get him an education. Um, in the meantime, he had some neurobiological issues and a lot of social-emotional issues, and you know was was finally finding some stability in his personal life when he came to our school and one of the first things we did was simply look at some of the the things that had that had happened in the past and try to set up some proactive things to to make it like well, well that's not going to be a big if that happens what you know if he if he is getting in a situation like that what can we do to to mitigate that and you know a, a small example being that you know he would take off from the school, and just leave the school, and then leave the school grounds, and if anyone followed him, it would make it worse, he would just run, and I said, well, why don't we give him, you know, this wasn't even a a collaborative solution, it was more just the adults brainstorming, and and an example of, like, well, what if we gave him a walkie-talkie, that if he left the school, at least we could have some way of connecting with him, if he, you know, left the school grounds, and following him is going to make it worse, and he might run into traffic, what if he had a walkie-talkie in his hand, and so just... I don't know. It, it seems like, you know, since he's been at the school, I mean, things haven't been perfect, and I know that he's still had a number of really challenging episodes at home, but, you know, and we've, I don't know, we've just tried to set him up for success, and a lot of it has been um, between the education assistant that works with him and the integration teacher, um, you know, trying to be proactive and saying, okay, well, you know, this might be coming up. What do you think about that, and how might we... Um, you know, address that when it comes up, and, and not waiting for things to happen. Just So, I don't know. I mean, it's not solving, we're not going to solve all his problems, but we can definitely set him up for success if we make the effort to. So, I don't know. I'm kind of a, of two minds. I know that this child needs more than just school intervention. He needs counseling and, you know, medical professionals, but while mm-hmm. he's at school in our little environment, I think that we can do the things that will help him be successful.
1: Sure. And work on those relationships. I mean, sometimes yeah. that's what you need to focus on for a, a while like, and before you can start to really problem solve it, Just just front load those relationships and relationships and
3: then you will start, you know. Yeah. Absolutely. And having the kid feel like for a change that, you know, he can do something right. <laughs> <laughs>
1: exactly.
3: Um, that we're not just sitting around
1: waiting for him to screw up so that we can send him away again. So yeah, yeah. And that's such a, I think that's such a gift that, and sometimes you don't see the results that one year, but then right, you you, you never you just don't know what gift that that will continue and that right. it'll make a difference in the upcoming years. Yeah.
2: Yeah. You know, if you look at, I think ahead, when Tom. you write, oh, when you when you move to that next, I think that you know. It's really important for us to consider information and feedback from adults who have been helped, not just ones who didn't make it. And, and I think that the number one thing that I hear adults who have been successful, despite incredible adversity, the key theme is simple. It's somebody cared about me. Yeah. Somebody, somebody listened to me, they cared about me, and they were there for me, and they didn't judge me, and they let me talk about it and work it out. Yep. And I think that that's pretty much what collaborative and proactive solutions in your work, Ross. That's what you're trying to teach people how to do, with a lot of skill.
1: Yep. And that every day is a brand new day. You know, we try to tell our children that all the time, and for them to really believe it. That oh, it's a brand new day, and that you're not coming back to school today yep. to have a punishment that you needed to have for the three, you know, two days before. And it's a brand new day every day.
0: What I was going to say is that there's clearly some kids who need or would benefit from medical intervention um, to be able to access the model as fully as possible and the model alone isn't going to help those kids um, maximally unless we can help them access it but um, I also started thinking to myself um, but there are going to be kids who the medication doesn't help. It's actually some who the medication makes things worse. There's going to be some who don't look dramatically better, even with medication. And then what do we do? And what we do is we still bend over backwards to have a relationship with the kid. And we may have to adjust expectations because this kid may not be capable of meeting the expectations we have, perhaps the expectations we have for him or her, but a lot of those are based on the norms for a kid of the same age or grade. And we may have to make those adjustments. And I I find that um, even with kids who benefit from meds still – have difficulty meeting some of our age and grade expectations. Last question of the day, because we only have a few minutes left. What are you all finding out there in your buildings and in other places about people's, especially in an era of high-stakes testing, the degree to which school staff are feeling comfortable making those kinds of adjustments? once we come to the conclusion that a student isn't going to be able to meet our expectations. What do you all think?
2: I'll go, I think that uh, that lies exactly down the the path of the work that we've talked about, Ross, with uh, the Teachers College at Columbia University that I've been doing and the correlation between very, effective academic instruction and collaborative and proactive solutions. I think it's really important to recognize that if if you look at a writing rubric for a child, and you clearly see that the child cannot make the expectation of the first grade writing rubric, all the research shows go to the kindergarten rubric and see what they need to know and be able to do in kindergarten, and then as soon as they get that down, move them to the first grade expectations. Why would we do anything different for behavior?
1: Absolutely. You know, I feel the same way and I know the staff feels the same way too. You know, I know that we are all under pressure of making sure that children are academically making progress, but it's not about a progress, you know, it's their own progress, it's measuring the progress against themselves and looking at the big picture from where they started and where, you know, where we're headed. So, is that growth mindset?
0: Yeah.
3: I'm in a non very high stakes testing environment and um, th- what I just I think for, for us it's more of an individual teacher perspective um, about how a teacher feels about differentiation and, and adaptation in general. sometimes it's hard um, for teachers to let go of more traditional mindsets or practice um, not because necessarily they're afraid of the outcomes for for testing but just they, they believe um, you know that their job is to maybe, you know, my job is a grade six teacher to get my kids ready for high school, and so you know everybody has to buckle down, and and there isn't the same, you know, it's just their mindset is that everybody should be pushed as hard as they can, and and everyone gets the same thing because that's the best thing, and so it's it's a little bit different here. I find though that um, most of the teachers that I work with are very in tune with kids, you know, individual needs, and they're more than more than happy to. Um, try something to to help that student feel more successful and and to solve some of those problems that are getting in their way.
0: Well, that's good news. Um, Dr. Chris Kaufman, and once again, I would strongly recommend the Issues in Children's Mental Health radio program that's already posted in the What's New section on the Lives in the Balance website, um, said he felt that, you know, if you squint your eyes, things are actually kind of starting to move in the right direction. Um, I hope he's right. I also want to thank you all for being on the program again today. It is always a blast for me to do this with you. I wish it was more than once a month. But thank you, Carol. Thank you, Tom. Thank you, Nina.
1: You're welcome. Always a pleasure. Thank you.
0: And we'll do this again next month. Take care, all. Great. Thanks. Bye. Great. Bye. Thanks. Bye-bye.